I'm going to cut your intro right now. You can, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. It. It's time. What do you call this, by the way? The Incredible Hulk Podcast. It's time. Hold on. I did cut your intro, you didn't did, I? You did already, yeah. That's me on the thing. That is you, yeah. Okay, so here's your new tagline. Real people, real stuff. <laughs> real good. Spoken like a true marketer. <laughs> there are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Don't on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. It is the Incredible Hulk Podcast. My name is Eric Hulkerin, and this time around, my friend Justin Barclay is back. Uh, the first time we did this, it was called Dinner in a Podcast, but he didn't get dinner. He got the podcast part because we did it in a studio, and I remember you being my really... God, was that 2012? I think so, yes. And now there's no dinner again. You got coffee, though. There's not even candy. It's the day after Halloween. Oh, I have plenty I of candy. I just coffee. didn't put it out out of, out of courtesy, I think. No, that's cool. So... I like uh, that. so you know, Justin and I have been friends for what seems like forever. Um, and in the past six weeks, we've been having some really interesting conversations on the phone. And I thought it would be fun to sit down and sort of have those conversations. But let's start with like, I'm just wh- going to completely screw up the microphone yeah, and just fine. hold it here. You can just know. do that. What is, so what have you been up to? What are you doing now these days? Well, right now I'm doing a podcast with you. That's very literal. This is, yes. this is the this is as we speak. Um, uh, I'm really just doing a lot of experimenting and having some fun. Uh, I do for, uh, you know, for a living for monies for the monies. I do a radio show, uh, that I get to have. It's again, kind of an experiment. I get to have a lot of fun nine to 10 here on a local, it's like a morning show, basically a talk show, local talk show. And it's through, we're in West Michigan. So it's through, it's called West Michigan live. It's on a, uh, uh, historic, uh, radio station here that's news talk I think it's 90 some odd years old like when Marconi invented the radio this was like it was and you're not joking I mean it yeah. literally was right behind it yeah. essentially and so uh but they it was have, Tesla that invented radio not well, well yeah that's so. true so Tesla invented a lot of stuff that we can't even talk <laughs> he was, about he today. was a terrible businessman but a great inventor so. which I think is uh I read a great book I'll just uh, I'll reference uh called um Real artists don't starve, and it's by this guy named Jeff Goins, who I've interviewed on uh, podcasts and radio shows before. He's a an author and a really interesting dude, worth a look up, worth a read. This book, um, but it it talks about just that Tesla and and uh, and specifically this myth that artists don't get paid for their work and that they should be starving and. Where did that myth come from? And he proves it wrong right out of the gate um, and in a very interesting way with a very well-known artist that uh, that he proves at the time was and, and maybe the, the, the richest artist of all time. Uh, the most wealthy anyway. He made a lot of money and uh, all he did was uh, paint s- ceilings. That guy. Yes. So, so uh, great book and a great point. So, you know, you, you bring up this point with Tesla that makes me kind of think about as I'm experimenting with some of these things is uh, if you do an experiment or if you do some work, do people know unless you are 
uh, good at telling them about it and isn't that once the work is done, that's one thing, but is it really done until you tell them about it, until you share it with people? And so that there's that whole marketing side of, of things and the business side of it that I'm also learning. Since 2012, I've been living this life of what am I going to do because I was doing radio up until that point. I worked with you. I worked for you, and you were my boss, and although there were a lot of times I didn't listen to you. Which were um, most of the times, actually. It was pretty, pretty much all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, but we had a really unique um, opportunity in a situation where you just kind of let um, me and the other people that worked for you just kind of like fly and, and create and experiment. And you knew the right time to kind of bring us back in, but you really nurtured that creativity in that place and let us do those things. So we got the chance to do a lot of really fun and um, wild things that will never be done again because they just can't be. Um, and some of them we'll never be able to talk about because, you know, the statute of limitations <laughs> and whatnot. But, uh, right. but um, that's where I'm at. I'm still experimenting. And I think that I've learned that I'm going to always be experimenting. Like, that's just the point of it. But it feels like when, you know, in the, in the past five years, let's say almost six years, um, that you've, you've figured out the balance of what that is, right? Like, it's not like you're working 100 hours a week for Wood Radio. You're, you're doing a single show five days a week, yeah. right? I won't talk about how much actual time I spend because it, it's I irrelevant. I don't want right? the powers to be the no. But, but to, to that point, though, yeah. then you do a whole bunch of other stuff, but you figured out this, you know, this mythological work-life balance. But at what point did you figure out how many, because we were talking about this yesterday, like how many freelance gigs do you kind of keep going? Mm. What, you know, how much future site do you have going on in case any of that stuff crumbles which inevitably it yeah. all can yeah. it, it, it all will it all will and and that's uh yeah so um i was doing radio morning radio up until 2012 and then in 2012 i just took a step back that by the way that's all i ever wanted to do ever since i was a kid it's like that's it so when i was in high school i got a chance to start working in radio and never looked back and i got a chance to work at some amazing places a lot of the places that when i was there i had no clue and had no real idea of how truly blessed I was at the time, be able to work with those people in those places. Um, so great opportunities. So in 2012, when this weird thing happens that I'm winning, I'm in a great place in a great position, a great market. We launched a new station. I was doing well. They came in. Um, the guy that hired me, uh, and was my boss said, I'm going to step back and I'm leaving. Um, management brought in a new boss and that guy brought his people in. And so it's just politics. It just is. It's what happens in the world. So um, one of the things I learned was never put all your eggs in one basket and control what you can control. Don't worry about the other stuff. There's nothing you can do. So a couple of those things just moving forward have been kind of my what brought me here today is the point that now I control what I can control and I don't put all my eggs in one basket. And I am in a sort of a unique position right now as we were talking about yesterday I have one foot in the radio business and one foot out when it comes to this radio show that I do and the company that I do this work for here locally but I also do voiceover work uh, commercial clients a lot of um, radio station work for promo for radio stations as well so on the voice that you hear like the voice on this podcast the voice of the radio station but between the the records so what's the right amount of those <laughs> I don't know. I think you continuously figure that experiment out because here's what I know is that um, I still have room. 
I still have room where I'm at right now to do more. Do you want to do more though? I, um, I'm in a place right now where I'm, I uh, have been very comfortable for the last couple of years. And so now I'm getting a little more uncomfortable and I'm comfortable with that. But, but the reason I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable is because I, I feel like now I'm, I'm ready for, I, I feel anyway, a season of growth. I've been like in a season of rest. So I, that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm ready for that. I'm not sure what that's going to bring. I have no idea. So I'm saying yes to a lot more, a lot more things, um, like this, doing this podcast, although you, you never asked me. You are so full of shit. I ask you all the time. <laughs> so, so, you know, and you asked uh, last year and, and this year to come speak at the college. So that was fun. Um, I said yes to that. Um, I feel like at some point I'll be doing more speaking. I'm just not sure where and what about yet. Um, I am. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, do I continue this radio show? I mean, I do it as long as as long as I can and as long as they let me, you know, as long as the checks keep clearing. Um, what about the voiceover work? Well, right now, as it as it stands, you know, and you and I just put our phones down on the table. We turned them off and we set them down and uh, we started this podcast, but that phone is literally all I need. I have a microphone that plugs directly into this phone, and I've done done this before while, while we were on vacation up in Mackinac just a couple of uh, weeks, weeks ago. ago, yeah, and did voice work from a hotel room with my phone and a microphone that's about that big, <laughs> and it sounds better than even what we're talking on right now, which these are these are good microphones. These are high-quality, professional-grade microphones, but it's crazy. And, um, so the, most of my lifestyle that I've built up until this point has been one of flexibility. I'll say a little bit of comfort, but just being able to uh, have that freedom. And one of the things that I've been playing with since then, and and recently it's popped up again is that this theme of freedom in order to have freedom, you've got to have a little discipline. There's a balance there, you know, and in order to really be free, you have to kind of set up your your guidelines, what will and won't you do? What are the, what are the musts? You know, what are the things you say yes to? What are the things you say no to? I'm able to say yes now to a lot of things because I've been saying no to a lot of things. And at first it was really big things. Hey, do you want to come do this big, uh, you know, major market morning show, even, even bigger market than what I was working at for, for more money? I said, no, because I knew right at the bat then that like, I, ha- I this is not for me. Something else is going going to come well you know turn the corner on that I don't know what was the foresight or what but it was the right decision because a friend of mine actually took that job and then uh, several friends that I know uh, were out of work because another company came in and bought that station and flipped it and so I would have probably pulled up stakes moved and I know the story within a year you know Mm -hmm. so um, you start I think you get to yes by saying no. Yeah, but I think you have to have, I, I think before you get to that, though, you've got to have some self-awareness, right? Because it's really hard when they, when they offer you something like that. And I had a very similar situation, but had the foresight. I to, know that story, you know, too. Foresight yeah. to know that it was going to go sideways. There are was, people that still uh, look at that story and go, what was he thinking? And I get it. I mean... People will look at what I was saying. Well, what was he thinking? No, no, now, I, you know. And I understand that, except it, 
ex- and I understand two things. One, it cut the legs out of my career at iHeart. It seriously hurt me by making that decision. However, yeah. it w- at the time it was the right decision. It was a move to a big market. Um, but it wasn't a win. But it wasn't a win, and because yeah. I had applied for this position, and they told me that it was already filled, and then eight months later said that they wanted to interview me. So my spider sense goes off and says, hmm. okay, all of the good guys you wanted don't want this job for some reason, so now you're back to me. And I said no, and the guy who took the job was blown out six months later, so I would have uprooted my family and yeah. moved to this market, and after six months would have had to figure out what to do next. And so I said no. At the detriment to some other things, which is okay because, again, it gets you where you are. But I feel like you have to have that sort of understanding of yourself in order to get to the point where you're saying no to the thing. So that, how did that, you do that? How, how, how are you aware, self-aware enough to know? Because I really, really wanted it. So let's just use real math. Yeah. When this thing comes open in January, I applied for it within 12 minutes. And just to be fair so that we can give some idea of what this would be. <clears throat> you're going to probably go from uh, uh, it's one of the top markets, top, top, top markets in the entire country. And your, 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 your income would have probably maybe tenfold. I mean, it would maybe. Have been, yeah. yeah. It, it I mean, it was been. a bit, it was a big, big move. It was the move that I had to your point. It was the move that, Although I didn't grow up in radio and I didn't grow up. It was going home too, right? It was going home. And, um, but I had, I had always wanted to go home. It wasn't necessarily about radio, but I had always, I wanted to go home and, and I had made some moves here in Grand Rapids. But you're also on the big stage too, with like music and record companies, which you had a big relationship and and continue to correct. Cause I, you know, I had made some, some noise here doing some interesting things that, so let me ask you this. Sure. Because now I'm looking, I just kind of feel like, okay, yes, you know, you got to know, you got to be self-aware. Uh, you got to make the right decisions. Also, there's part of me that just goes, all right, listen, uh, you know, the decisions that we make, we, we're giving ourselves too much credit for this stuff because, um, I'm more, I'm more concerned about adaptability than I am about making the right decision. And here's what I mean. What if you went, you got that job and then it fell through somehow in corporate some, who's to say you wouldn't have ended up like as a record executive somewhere like, and, and also very successful. Maybe. Right. I mean, who's this? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, that's a lot of supposition. Clearly, I could, I could see that path for for you, though. I mean, it, or maybe it worked, and you were the guy, and you fixed it. Again, all of those are. I'm just tra- all of those possibilities. That's all I'm. And it's okay to challenge. Yeah. Uh, I would just say at that moment, yeah, it did not feel right. It felt like I was a stopgap measure because you yeah. couldn't get the person you actually wanted. Whether or not I could have done the job is irrelevant because I could have done the job. What it felt like was I was a rebound girlfriend, and eventually you were going to find the one that you maybe truly loved. Couldn't, maybe there wasn't a guy really that they could really get. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe the girlfriend wasn't the problem, so to speak. You maybe. Know what I mean? But I could, again, I can, in this particular situation, I can only respond with yeah. the information I was given. So when I apply in January, I'm yeah. told it's filled. Yeah. So I, you can, you might know back end stuff that I don't know about don't, the story, I but I all I have is what they gave me. It's no, already what been I'm, filled. What I'm saying is maybe, you know, that position, that magical position wasn't the answer. Maybe there was, and clearly I think that's what was happening. There was way more happening 
behind the scenes as there, there as there always is. Yeah. But I think it's really tough to make those decisions where illog- it, it makes illogical sense. And even yeah. to this day, like you're saying, I still have people that are like, I don't understand why you didn't go right. do that thing. That's the interesting part. I don't get it. People go because when you do something that's completely like the opposite of, of, of what people expect, you get the head scratching and people think you're crazy. And um, people still ask me, like, what do you do? What and so I think mostly people would identify me as I do that thing on the radio. I do that for an hour a day, right? Right, five hours a week. So yeah, and there's preparation, but it's not to the extent that it would be my identity. And I will tell you this, and you know this because you you lived with it, lived with me through it. You know, as I was the guy who that was my identity. And I think part of losing that job in 2012 was realizing that, uh, this isn't who I am. And it had been for so long. And I had that like instant realization or looking back, it seems like it, but it probably wasn't instant, but it was just, was not who I am more than this. And people, um, lose track sometimes we forget about you are more than your car you're more than your job you're more than the house you're more than the clothes you wear whatever it is the all this extra stuff you're way more than that and we um you know we forget and we lose track of this stuff because we're just so um either we're afraid of how truly great and powerful and amazing we are and can be, um, or, you know, maybe it's the marketing has beat it out of us and, and made us question things. Who knows? You know, I see that a lot with, um, women, you know, especially, um, and you've got a daughter. I mean, I know that's gotta be tough as I could imagine, you know, as a father, like raising your daughter and she's constantly bombarded with these things that want to make her question herself and who she is and her worth and, you know, put on the makeup. You got to get all the makeups and put them all sure. on, yeah, and all, yeah. you know, and, but we're all, all of us, we're all walking around wounded like that. Every single one of us in some different way, in some different way. Um, but there was a moment and I don't really exactly know when that happened. There was a moment where it kicked for me and the switch flipped and I go, I don't need this anymore. So as I say to you, as I'm experimenting and what do I do and where am I going? Part of it is I have some sort of thought process or plan or trajectory that looks kind of fun and looks kind of cool, you know, but I'm open to the ride because, um, I'm sure that I will hit a point and go, well, this is, uh, I'm a big believer of, letting things go and when they no longer serve you. So you just did that with your Halloween candy, get it out of the house, right? No longer serving me. Right. Right. It's at that point, get rid of it, whatever it is. And I, I, I mean, I do this, I did it when I was living with you. And part of it was you guys kind of forced me to, but you know, I don't know if you know the Basque story, but I'll just tell you if you're listening right now, Eric and I, when we worked together at one point, I actually lived in his basement. It was kind of like a little condo. Yeah, actually, it was like a little apartment thing. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it 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 had a bathroom and like you know the whole thing. So, um, 
So, yeah, so I had a bunch of my stuff and had gone through moves, like moved from Cincinnati to Tampa and then to Grand Rapids. And I had I had a home and, a, you know, all this stuff. So I had a, all these things and all the stuffs and all the junk and everything. Right. And I'd moved it with me and I'd eventually moved up here and I had it in boxes, a lot of it still. And when I lived in my apartment before I lived with you guys. And then when I moved in with you, a lot of it was just stuck in your garage and it's sitting in boxes in your garage. And eventually, you know, in Michigan in the wintertime, you want to use your car and, and, and yeah. And, and just, for, but just for some context. So people understand, like they think boxes, like you've got four by four boxes, but t- like guys, these are actually <laughs> seven foot tall wardrobe boxes. Oh, sure. As yeah. deep as my two car garage went and as wide, like the entire garage was filled with, I don't a hundred of these things, maybe boxes. Yeah. Like, Many, many boxes. And eventually, um, it was probably Angie. And she was like... Oh, it was most certainly was yeah, my wife, for sure. Yeah, I want my garage, and God bless her, because not, like now understanding, uh, you know, if somebody was living in my house and was using my... And I couldn't use my garage, I would... I, she was very patient. She's a saint. But, you know, uh, they said, and generally kind of nudged me, hey, we got to get this stuff out. So we get a dumpster... And we just start going through. And so this was like the first experience I ever had with this. And I've done it several times since. And it's so important to do. And I just, I'm, the reason I bring this up is I want to challenge you to try this if you're listening right now. Just take whatever you have that's laying around your house and go through. And you can start with one closet. You can start with one small little space and either donate or sell or give away or uh, trash, you know whatever you have that's there and just, just take and put it in three piles and do that. And that's what we did with that dumpster. We had a huge dumpster yeah. out there Yep. threw a lot of crap in it. God only knows what was even, I have no idea. Um, but, but back then, like what people who don't know you very well, like you had jackets with tags on them. Like that's the kind of stuff that you were dragging. You were dragging around clothes that you'd never worn just yeah. for dragging them around. Oh Yeah. Yeah, no, I did. Well, and because you just throw everything because when I was working in radio, you just moved from place to place to place and you just threw everything. And and what happened was the company that was hiring you was paying for the move. So I didn't I didn't have to do any work. They right. came, packed me up and then, you know, and so I didn't think about it. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, I, I remember that experience. That was my first experience of letting go. So let go of all that stuff that doesn't serve you. And we're always hanging on to it. And the problem is, is when you are hanging on to one thing, you, your fist is closed, right? And you can't, you can't grab that next thing that you're really supposed to have or the thing that you're supposed to do. The new experience, maybe there's a new career. Maybe there are new friends that you're supposed to meet. There are new people that you're supposed to go out and, develop relationships with and enjoy life with. Maybe there's a new job for you. Who knows? Maybe you're with somebody right now in a relationship that you're holding on to it because this is all I have. This is, but there's so much, there's something so much bigger out there waiting for you. And the right person is there, but we're going through life because we're just kind of like, we go through the motions and we somehow feel like this thing that isn't right in front of me. That's the weird thing about life. We feel like the thing like right now is permanent. We don't really f- get the temporary nature of everything, you know, and understand like 
nothing that we're sitting in your house, beautiful house. And you just said earlier, you were talking about these things that, that, you know, that this is what I'm doing. I was like, I'm doing this for now. So we'll see how it goes, you know, but like this table eventually will not be here. This mug will not be here. The coffee is almost gone. I'm working on that right now. But none of this stuff, even us, it's just so weird to think about how sort of a small of a span of a time that we're here for. And I don't mean to get too crazy and too weird on this conversation, but it certainly went there. Fa- what did you put in the coffee? <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like letting go and realizing that you got to move on to the next thing, to the next thing and be open. Like when you do that, you're open for the next thing because then you realize life goes from being some horrible, like horrific, uh, you know, like work, like job to this wonderful thing that you can experience and who knows what's around the next corner. It's, it really becomes an adventure. That is. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I get what you're saying. I just don't, I don't meet a lot of people like that. Right. I, li- I meet a lot of people who, yeah, me neither, who, li- you know, who live <laughs> yeah. in, in the stasis, who live in yeah. the like, this is how it's going to be. Because that's naturally what we, 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 we try to look for, right? I mean, we're naturally looking for that homeostasis, that, that, that balance, that thing. Yeah. That's what we're, as human beings, that's what we're looking for. Sort of. So what's interesting about that statement, though, is yes, we look for the homeostasis in one very specific part of our life. And then we spend the rest of the time moving forward, gaining momentum to do one of three things, get more money, get more stuff, get more whatever, like to fill to, to your point, to kind of fill the hole that isn't actually filled with anything meaningful with gadgets and clothing and boxes and bigger houses and whatever. And so it's interesting when you say that, like, Oh, they're just looking for home. You say, well, sort of, but then they'll be the first to want to move to a bigger house or buy a brand new car or whatever mm-hmm. when that isn't actually the answer. The answer is more logically, you probably just need to do something a little bit more soul fulfilling and then you're probably less reliant on insert whatever thing you're jamming into the hole right now. Um, yeah, it, you know, and, it, and I think it's tough to know when you're in, the, in that place. Like We're all in that place. Yeah, but like when you're really deep in it, like you have a little awareness, so you know, and I know. I mean, there's things that I'm doing that aren't serving me that I need to stop and let go. Sure, I'm in the process of some of that right now, um, but I think they become they they get loud enough for me anyway. This is how I see it: they get loud enough at a certain point where I can't ignore it anymore, and that's when I move on it. And some people deaf they just do what they can to deafen that thing. I remember a few years back, one of the things that I thought about was like just the pain or the um, just wanting to sort of like numb things. Uh, all that, that idea had just kind of, I'd grown old with and I figured like, this is no, this is, I need to do something different. I want to, what if I could just feel everything? Like just like everything. See, the idea that pain is a sign, right? Sure. Um, so it's a signal so that it, it, and look at fear this way too. Um, yesterday I shared this really cool thing on Facebook about the, from the book that I was reading, uh, the Jocko book. Um, uh, what is the name of that book? Um, I'll have to, I have to pull it up, but it talks about fear and he says, people want to tell you, um, you know, uh, not to fear things. And he says, no, I want you to fear things. And, and, uh, and, and, 
just the the idea of the little piece that I was reading was like, what if you use fear? Because I don't think you ever get rid of fear. Like you never, you're never. You shouldn't, right? I mean, you know, it's a sign. It's like if you went and touched the stove, like that's hot. I need to feel that pain to know. I need to know. I need to feel because it's a sign. What if I numb that pain so much that I just, well, I'd burn my, my hand off, you know? So what if we were you could become even more like a heightened sense of awareness or a heightened sensitivity of that pain or that fear or whatever yet uh, and uh, use that signal for us? And I believe that's by the way, that's why I believe that's the purpose of that. Right. That's why we have fear. That's why we have pain. They're supposed to serve us. Here we are in 2017, like we haven't like our 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 reality has moved way past where we have evolved like physically and whatnot so like fight or flight some of the stress some of these things like um the things that we experience on a daily basis is 2017 people human beings right like it's just it's just not um it's not built for our world like it's not built it's built for when we were cavemen or whatever right so, but what if we could still having that knowledge, know that experience all the things, right. And, and, and find that there is purpose and that there's usefulness and use them to serve us. And that's what I believe we, we can do with fear, especially with fear, with pain, even how can we use this? Like, this is the crazy thing. Can you imagine like being grateful for cancer? Something crazy. This is going to sound crazy, but like, can you imagine getting cancer and just being grateful? I'm grateful that I've got this experience now that I can go through this. Whatever it is that I am meant to go through, whatever I'm supposed to go through, I'm grateful for this. A lot of times, and I this has been a huge part of like changing my my mindset and my philosophy. And you know, I was when 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 you knew me from back in the day, I was kind of a negative person. You know, I mean, like a like a bad attitude. And I just had a conversation with a guy um, before I came here and had lunch with this guy. And and, uh, he was telling me some horror stories of radio horror stories of a guy he worked for. And this is a really big name, a really big, gigantic name guy. uh, And he had a really like the first time he worked for this guy, he made a mistake and the guy made him cry. And I said, oh, my God. I was so, I was like, I was mortified. I was like, man, you know, I, I was really an asshole a lot. I'm recovering. First of all, I, I'm, I want to apologize to you because I'm a recovering asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, man, I know, uh, I know that I've been there and I, I'm sure that I've done that to people and, and didn't re in the middle of it, didn't realize it. Um, but the, the, you know, the reason I, I bring that up is that, when we had this conversation, it it really kind of, um, I don't know, it just really kind of made this mark for me that, you know, these things that, that happen in our lives, these things that we go through, we they, they happen for a reason, they happen for a purpose, and you get to play a role in that. So gratitude for me was a huge game changer. I was able to find purpose and give gratitude feel gratitude for something that could have, if I had chosen to completely derailed me and sidetracked me. I could have blamed, and you know, I mean, you know me, I could have 
I blamed everybody for everything, you know, I could have at that point. But instead, somehow I decided that I was going to choose gratitude. And I think it really just really was a gift. I'm nobody special. I didn't do anything special. We can all do these things. It's just whether or not we have the, we, we, we choose to do these things whether or not we have the perspective to do these things. But I've really been struggling with that. And I'm not saying that I could ever give like, thank you for cancer. Like I'm, I'm, I, I believe in God. So I would just say, yeah, thank you, Jesus for cancer. Like I don't, I would, I can't even imagine we've all lost people and many family members and, uh, and, and people that, that are, that are affected by that. I just can't even imagine being at that point, but that is the height of that, that gratitude of knowing that no matter what happens to you, there is a better, there is a greater purpose for it. And that you, that's alchemy. That's, that's literally alchemy. So you and, and, and God and working in partnership, not to get too spiritual or anything, but we can like, do whatever you want, dude. What is in this coffee, man? I'm just, <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, is that we, we, that, that can then be turned into something, something that's gold. Can you, I, I can't even imagine. Could you imagine a point where you could just give, like, give thanks for something that just is so? No, I, I mean, I understand the Everest nature of what you're saying, um, and how. But I, I, I think to take it back a, a few hundred steps, right? Like this take guy it back a few thousand miles. No, 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 no not. A, but I mean, I think you've got to start with. Let's go back to that very real situation you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're having gratitude for an asshole boss that's screaming at you for no reason, right? Um, what you, where you need to get your mind in is that you need to get up and like empower yourself to get up and leave. Like that is not a situation you need to be in. Yeah. That's not a person you need to work for. Yeah. And if you stay in that situation, to follow your analogy to the end, if you stay in that situation for more than four minutes yeah. after that happens, yeah. Um, there no, there's no way you can get to that well, level of gratitude about things in your life that it's almost impossible to have gratitude. And so what for. you're saying there is what I totally this is this is the the gist of it, is that we we are the ones in control. One hundred percent. You can't take the victim mentality um, or the mindset. We we have to understand that uh, people treat us the way we allow them to treat us. And in some cases, like again, because because I had the same conversation with this guy that I had the conversation with today and I go and he was naming all these people that had done some certain things to him. He's a great guy. I'm not there's nothing against him or what he said. I'm sure he experienced these things, but I told him again, it's interesting is that's not my experience. These people. And I know for a fact that these people have had these negative experiences with other people too, like these other folks. And you, you know exactly some of the people that I'm talking about, but I said, you know, I never had that experience with these people and I don't know why that is. I don't know if I, they just knew they couldn't with me or I wouldn't allow it or I don't know. Or there was a respect, some sort of respect, mutual respect thing or, or something, but it just, it never happened. So we are responsible for that stuff. And yes, empowering, like that's one of the things that I would like to be able to do with this person and with other people is empower people to know, like, you don't have to, you, you're like, you just said, you don't have to take this. And I will tell you, which was crazy is that going back to when I was a, a jerk, you know, to work for like, um, I had people who worked with me who 
went through the the crucible <laughs> and came out on the other side. And I've had people that have completely fallen off the radar and aren't in the industry anymore. And probably if you asked them about me, would curse my name to this day. And then I have people that are very successful that I said that working for this guy was such a major impact and everything he taught me and, and have said these things to me. And I'm like, wow, that's, that blows me away. I can't believe it. And I was such a, a, just a complete jerk to work for at times. I really was, but you know me. So I will ask you, and this is, am I, you know, I know you're not going to sugarcoat it, but do you, was I ever coming from a bad place when I was impossible? From a malicious place? Yeah. No, so not I at all. I think maybe no. that's the difference. I just think you, you know, to their, to those who were able to learn from that situation and turn it into some sort of motivation, fire, whatever. Um, it was understanding that it was never from a malicious place. It just wasn't your skill set. And even to this day, I would say your skill set is not necessarily management of human beings, right? Um, yeah. Empowering wow. human beings, possibly, but having like direct reports, probably not your favorite thing. Um, it wouldn't be my favorite thing, although I can tell you now. I'm a lot better at it than what I used to. 100%. Sure. But what I mean is, like, if we're talking about self-awareness and being in the place that you're supposed to be in, like, no. that's not necessarily... Oh, I know that. 100%. Yeah, you're right. 100%. I'm not the manager. I'm a big picture person. Yeah. I've always kind of been that. And so dealing with the one-on-one is is not my, my best uh, suit. I do like people. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I think, you know, <laughs> what I'm saying is I like, might like dogs more though. Uh, maybe there's where, that, where but I mean, she? like, I think, <laughs> I think part of what you were going through at that point, not that this needs to be a therapy session, but that's like, fine. Bring you, it out. I think Let you need to out. like, people need to understand, at least this is what I believe is highly creative people are usually volatile spirits to go along with that. Right. In one direction or another. Um, because I think there's some sort of, magic in that chaos Mm -hmm. and the highly successful people can wrangle the chaos and get their life in some sort of linear passion or pattern um but you can find a litany of human beings to the point of the book you were talking about a half hour ago right you can find a litany of artists that starve themselves to death because they never actually can align everything and pull it together to see it to the finish line but i think there you do need to kind of walk the line of utter chaos in order to create something special because real talk, all of the stuff we're talking about, you have to have a mentality that is, and I'll loop it into something that I enjoy as a hobby, which is mixed martial arts and fighting. Like you have to understand that you are going to get punched in the face and it is going to hurt. And you're fine with that. And you have to be fine with that because eventually you'll get to punch back. Right. And and, like, and, the, and the and and I think that's it. Like that's that that going back to that discipline and freedom thing, like they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. So. Well, and you and I were talking yesterday, like what people don't understand when they watch Gary Vaynerchuk and think it's so romantic is like, again, he's working 20 hours a day. Every decision comes down to him. Every client that cancels is his fault. Like. It's not as if you're switching. Let's go back to your your buddy, right? It's not as if you're swapping out asshole boss number one 
to become an entrepreneur and then everything's fine because now you're the asshole boss who's in charge of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you have to figure out in your best way that you can manage how do you manage your own client list do you have people to directly report to you how do you not become the guy that was a jerk to you 10 years ago how do you do all of that stuff when everything is on your shoulders mm. and in order to do that you need to be a, a very special type of person to kind of manage all of that stuff it's massive growth massive growth if you want to go from point a to point b in anything it's massive growth and that only comes from getting real and clear as you said earlier self-awareness you have to look at the crap you have to stare it dead in the face and you have to just deal with the stuff that's there and i'm still doing that that's why i'm saying like you know all of this is an experiment and you know we just keep kind of i'll try this and then i'll try that um i love uh doing that show that I'm doing now, but I know that it will come to an end at some sure. point. Um, the voice work, I love it. It's fun. You know, do I get a lot of fulfillment out of it? I don't know. You know, it's easy. It's really, and I'm good at it and people enjoy it, but, um, you know, it, it, that's the question. What is it? What, like, what am I making that big impact? Am I supposed to do something else? I kind of have a feeling that I am. So that's why, you know, I do it so that I can have the money to make the art. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Like this and, book. And, right? and, and again, I think that's, that's, the other, that's the other part to this equation is that, you know, I, and I know a lot of people ask you this all of the time. It's like, how do I go out? Of, how do I go out on my own? This mythical utopian society where I get to go out on my own. And, and I, I think step one of that is auditing your time and starting it when you've got free time while you still have a job to yeah. pay for the art. But yeah. part two, and this is what I want, this is kind of where I want to go is this morning I got to talk to Joanna Jinjerchak. She's the straw weight champion in the UFC. And recently she left, her, she's undefeated, was undefeated in Muay Thai kickboxing, was undefeated in boxing, undefeated in now mixed martial arts, amateur and professional. And a year ago, left her camp of a new number of years to go to a new camp because wow. she audited her circle and knew even though she was destroying everybody, yeah. she wasn't where she wanted to be. She had to level up and she had to well, let she go. Had, she had to let go and surround herself with people yeah. who could help her wow. get to where she wanted to be at the top of the game. This, this wow. woman, I, will tell, I know you're not into the sport, but like, yeah. is probably one of the best and will be one of the best ever. Yeah. Which leads me to my question. You know, When we go back to 2012, and this is something I've never asked you, but something I feel is core to anybody who's highly successful, is they got to audit the people that are around them. So... What part does Lizzie play in all of this? Oh, so my wife and correct, because um, that that shift sort of happens hand in hand, kind of. So I think people are like planets. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and there's gravitational pull to those people, and I don't want to say some of this. I don't want to say. I know they'll never hear it, so it's okay, but, like, I love my parents. So, if you don't know, I mean, you know, but I was adopted. My birth parents, I don't know. But I believe this is one of the things that I'm going to do very, very soon, and I need to do this for several reasons. But, like, I'm going to go oh, find... Oh, so you ha still haven't done that? No idea who my birth parents are. 
I mean, I have stories that my parents have told me, you know, but I, I don't guess I know. thought you were much closer to solving this riddle than uh, I think uh, there's a lot to this. Um, and what happens is um, it would be a very simple thing for me to do. Like I could probably make a phone call, spend a, a few bucks and have. No, no, no. I get all that stuff. But, that's but the simple part. There's this other stuff that comes with the it. hard part or I'll say the more complicated part is that we're talking about people so that there's humans involved so there's my whole thing of you know I'm a I feel like the parent the people who raised me my parents I, I mean they're the only parents I've ever known I was like a, like a three months old when I was adopted so I don't have any mem- and I have some pretty early memories, but I don't have any early memories of anything. And I think three months old would be pretty crazy if I know there's there are stories of people that have earlier memories, but who knows? I have zero. But they are X Men characters, and it's less reliable. No, there's good science. I mean, there's <laughs> actually people that have. Okay. But however, chill out, dude. Um, what I what I'm saying is that how does this affect? My mom, specifically my mom, my dad, you know, and then also my birth mom, my birth dad. Do I have siblings? How does it affect those people? So part of me could go through the rest of my life and not pull the trigger on this. However... There is a sense, I have this sense that if I don't, one day I may regret it and it may be too late. And so I see it this way. My birth mother and my birth father gave me up to an amazing family that gave me opportunity. I'm so blessed with the family that I that I lived in and the things that I was in all the stuff that I we've been all this this is all sure no none of this I'm sure none of this any of this happens I'm not sitting here today with you God only knows where I would be and what I would be doing I don't know so the um, the reality is um, I feel like if they made that sacrifice then why can't I or shouldn't I at least reach out and give them the opportunity to get to know me? And I, you know, I don't really want, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't really want much from it. I don't want, I don't have any, and I think this is the thing that when in life anyway, when you expect too much, when your expectation doesn't meet reality, that's when you get frustrated. Right? So I don't expect much more than just, I want to say thank you. And I want to open the door and let them know that it's open. And do you want to, you know, what do you want to do from here? It's not going to kill me if they don't want to talk to me. Um, if they don't want to know me, any of that stuff. I think it would be nice to know medical history, things like that. Sure. Right. But, you know, and I know very limited things. My parents have told me that it's weird. The older they get, they go, they just new things drop out of their mouths. Oh, we thought we told you this. <laughs> right. What do you know that I don't know? Right. I need to know it all so we can figure this out. But um, no, I don't know them. So that is that's I, I have in the next 
like year or so, like I have these things that I want to do and, and that's, that's on there. But I always keep coming back to my mom specifically like, man, how is this going to make them feel if I, is, are they going to, are they going to feel bad if I go like, feel like that I feel like they're not enough for me or they weren't great parents. Cause I, I, you know, I love my parents back to what you were talking about, like the people around you and that gravitational pull. So I had moved away when I was very young to, to do radio. So 18 or whatever. Right. And so I've been, uh, <laughs> I have lived away from home ever since then. And, um, I guess part of me realizes when I go home, why I moved away. And that's not a knock on them other than to say like, it's just, I had to. Yeah, I get it. And you, yeah, you definitely get it, but I, I had to. So when I go home and visit them, I love them, but I notice the little things of how, you know, um, uh, anxiety and they're getting older. They're like in their seventies. So, um, my time is limited even when we visit. So yes, people play a huge role. There's that old saying of like the, show me the five people you, you know, your five closest friends and I'll, and I'll show you what, you know, what your paycheck is going to be. I mean, it'll be very similar to what your five closest friends are. Um, so people play a huge role and my wife played a huge role. I think in, my trajectory part of it, I will say this, and you know this part because I was on the radio, I weighed close to 400 pounds at that time. Um, we did this crazy thing where I was going to lose weight, did this biggest loser thing, is lose 100 pounds, and so uh, we were going to do it like in 90 days, you know. So I lost like 80, 90 pounds in 90 days, and then went through the summer, and then like uh, fallish, like September, we're going to do 23 pounds in 23 days and crack the 100-pound mark. And we did that, and I lost 100 pounds. Part of me losing that weight, as I was talking about letting go, I didn't just lose that weight. I had to let go of that stuff that no longer served me, whatever that crap was, the emotions, the all the stuff. Um it's something that I still struggle with because I don't know that it ever stays gone for good. You know, I, I'm now I'm back into like, I'm getting up at like four or five o'clock in the morning and working out again and I'm eating well and I've lost eight pounds like in less than a week. So I feel really good, but I know like it's not about weight. It's more about health and a lifestyle change for me at this point. Anyway, I just only tell you that, that, that weight portion of it because that opened me up to, I think being able to meet, my wife, who your wife was with me when sure. I met yeah, yeah. my Cause wife. Cause it was at, at festival, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is a crazy story. And I don't even know. I have to ask Angie, was Angie, did, did she like remember meeting my wife or, or oh, was yeah, I like, yeah. we okay. talk about all the, uh, not all the time, but we talk about it occasionally when wow. like See, your I, anniversary pops up or yeah. whatever. Like, cause it was no, I was her and uh, Ryan. Yes. That yep. were, that were, we were, we were downtown. And uh, I don't know where you were that day. Where were you? I don't know. So, so <laughs> crazy story. So, um, so I have to be open to meeting her and to falling in love with her. And I, and to recognize that, you know, you know, she's this great person and she has such a kind heart and all these things I think that do make me a better person. And so, um, 
yeah, she played a huge role in maybe we'll call it the softening, <laughs> softening me up a little bit, you know, making me a better person. Also being supportive in she moved with me to that job that I eventually lost. We lived here. Then we moved across the state to Detroit and um, just after dating for a few months. So she had to be open to that. A lot of people would be like, you're crazy. I don't even hardly know you, you know. Um, But she took a gamble. I took a gamble and we made it work. And then in the middle of it all, you know, that was not the like losing the heart. The hard part wasn't just losing the job. There was everything that has happened in the last five plus five and a half years or whatever. Every day is different, you know. Um, So that whole idea of, okay, he lost his job. We get married. We got married. You know the story, but the timeline is we got married in October, right? First of October. Halloween weekend, I get a call from the company saying, we'd like for you to come and do mornings for us in another market. And I said, no, thank you. Uh, uh, this is like family where I'm at right now. So that company that eventually would fire me resigned my contract <laughs> because they, I mean, apparently like, it's just the craziness, you know, of like, we'll just sign this guy's contract cause we don't want him to go anywhere else, but we also don't want him to work for us. <laughs> you can't go anywhere, but we don't want you to be here either. <laughs> so it was very, it was so strange and so surreal, but losing that, uh, that job and, and then being together. And we talked about this at length in our, when we, went away for our trip for our anniversary a while back. Holy cow. Look at how far we've come. We've been married six years. This is unreal. Look at everything. And I think we're stronger for it again. This is that perspective of the gratitude for those things. Thank God we did because where would we be? I don't know. Thank God that we were able to stick it out. And, and she was, you know, she's just amazing. I don't, I couldn't, uh, I could not live life, um, the way that I've been without the, her support and the things that she's, you know, and does on a daily basis. I mean, um, I'm really, I'm just, I'm really grateful for her. Um, uh, but you know that, I mean, you've, you, you, uh, have a very, uh, probably even, um, very similar situation. I mean, you know, your wife makes you who, sure. you know, yeah. I mean, pulls these things out of you that you probably never, and I've got to see the evolution of Eric too, through, you know, through meeting her and then, you know, and then your family. I mean, these are amazing things that happen when you have your kids. There's, you know, I've seen pieces of you that you probably never even knew that were there. These relationships bring these amazing things out of you. Yeah, but I, I think you've got to be, like you said, you've got to be open to that. And, and I often say one of the things that I wish, I wish somebody, my parents, anybody, you know, prior to getting married would have told me mm. is that whole idea that, yes, these amazing people are going to pull amazing things out of you, but you also have to understand that. They can that, also pull bad things out of you too. Well, they, yes. If you're in the wrong <laughs> one, it can be a really bad I mean, idea. Even in the right one. I mean, uh, I think they're challenging us for a reason. It's an yeah, opportunity to totally. grow. Yeah. And I guess that's what I was going to say is like. The closest I can I can make an analogy to what marriage I feel is like at its root is running a startup, right? Like you're running a, your business, your family business is what you're running. And 
Yeah. You know, there is fun stuff that comes with that and mm-hmm. there's adventures that comes with that. But at the end of the day, you guys have to be on the same page with what your finances are going to be. You have to be on the same page as to what you're going to do spiritually and where your moral compass is. Yeah. You have to be on the same page. Are you having kids? If so, how many? Right? Like, yeah. are we traveling? Are we buying big houses? What are we going to do? And and I really feel like... Are you on the same page? I mean, I'm uh, clearly you are at this point on some things, but are you on the same page like all the time or are you constantly oh, God, no. talking i mean like talk because you're probably talking through like that you you were, we were just talking about the next pet right when right. i came in yeah like i mean like that's just a silly example but, but it's a yeah but, but that's a debate that we're having like yeah. we you know we fostered dogs when we were dating now we yeah. have kids so we don't really do that because the kids are too small to kind of defend themselves against sure. bigger animals right sure. so um we would look to adopt or whatever but there's this debate like is it a cat is it a tiny dog or i've literally been waiting a decade to get a mastiff right like which one of those is going to win out and that's a dog you can ride you know and that's a silly yeah. example but it's a real example you know a more a closer one is while spiritually i think we have similar ideologies like they vary a little bit because i'm a much more i'm much more prag pragmatic probably not the word i'm a much more inquisitive human like I like to experiment in that space and I yeah. like to hear opposing views and I you're, like to you're hear, curious. I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that makes her really uncomfortable a lot because she does not like that curiosity because that's to your point like that's she's uncomfortable in that space, which is fine. But for me, yeah. it's listening to things that challenge who I am and what I think and then trying to much like we did earlier, trying to work backwards from that awkwardness to go, nope, I still feel that way or now change a little bit that that makes a little bit more sense we should yeah. go this direction do you when when the when when you experience this together is it like a tug of war how do you experience the your curious nature and and her and her also the nature of where she probably feels like she has a need to to be rooted in in something she has the need to be rooted um you know she's somebody who needs to be rooted in a church mm-hmm. and in a community that can grow together mm-hmm. and, and i enjoy that part of our relationship immensely okay. um but it's not really a tug of war it's more I, it's more aptly, give and take uh it wouldn't even be that it'd be more aboriginal if you will like i go on a walkabout and go challenge myself and then i come back and tell her what i learned right and she like, allows you to do that of course she does which yeah. is the why it works yeah because she's yeah. not she's not interested in going and like wrestling with yeah, what i don't actually, need to do that you go ahead yeah and... <laughs> like i don't need to wrestle every day with my belief system and right, then come right, back right. and feel like yeah. i'm strong and for me that's something i've always needed i grew up in the church in a Lutheran church and I watched it be torn apart by some dumb infighting political things. So since that, since I was 17, I've often been leery of a physical location to enhance your soul. So I'm always a little leery of the physicality of church, but really into understanding how people make sense of larger topics around them. Right. And she has no interest in wrestling with that stuff, which is fine, which is probably, if you think about it, there's a great match there because you guys, you you know, if you were both super curious. Oh, dear God, it'd be horrible. You imagine if you're it'd both running out at the same time in opposite directions. We'd be, like, it would literally be like a Tucker Carlson CNN show in our house. We would just argue all the time about, oh. you know, instead of political views, it'd be religious views we'd argue about Anything. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think 
and I think Lizzie's like that with me too. I think she grounds me in the, in some of those ways, you know, like, um, I am super, as we just had this conversation, we took the dogs on a walk this weekend and, uh, and, and went to the park and we're just kind of walking around and I was just talking about things that usually just sit inside my brain. And a lot of it's just asking questions as we were kind of talking about this a lot. Some of this stuff is even when we're talking, we're saying it may sound pretty certain that I'm certain of this, but I'm like you, I'm always just asking the questions like this is how I feel today. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. I have principles, you know, I have some more, like values and morals, things that are, that are going to, you know, that are grunt, like ground me. But I'm other than that, I'm going to be pretty open and ask questions. I don't know the answers to I there's much more I don't know and I think like I'm uh, uh for me I feel like that's a strength that I can um and and I, I you probably see it this way too this is a strength that you have that that uh that you can ask those questions I you know what I I I see it as a strength I see it as a life skill and I see it as an art form right like if you look at the and and you know we'll wrap this up here in a couple of minutes. So I don't want to jump on another tangent. Yeah, we, we can, can do, do another this, three hours. You know, we can do this at a different time. But like, <laughs> if you look at the current climate of the country, oh, that's not, no. you know, that's not, that's not, again, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to do go there. It's but another like, three hours. Here but that's go. not what we do as yeah. a society, right? We're not mm-hmm. comfortable going. I'm really curious about your point of view. Please explain it further. Right. So to me, this yeah. part of my personality, I think feeds all of that other inquisitive nature that I can go, well, that's interesting. Explain that to me. Right. Um, and it's an art form and a skill set, And certainly, as you just said, a strength Mm -hmm. that you can lean on that you, you don't, not only do you not always feel the need to be right. Yeah. I'd prefer not to be right. I'd prefer to learn something. Mm, That's good. I like that. Not always. You, you want to learn something. You want to, you prefer to not be right. Yeah. And I know some people, like one of the like feedback I get from my current job is people say, sometimes I'm, I might be too humble because I often will say, I'll go into a room with smarter people than me to come up with the right answer. Right. And that might be too humbling in certain situations, but I genuinely mean it. Like I want to go where people yeah. are smarter than me and have you teach something that I don't already know. Is that what drives your evolution and and what makes you and certainly from last position to where you are now like step out and try new things yes 100 percent. i mean like at and the, what happens if eric doesn't get that i get if i get bored it's dangerous for everybody and i don't mean that like <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's dangerous yeah. for everybody like yeah. if you go back to why i left mm-hmm. i heart mm-hmm. there's a number of reasons we could go into but first and foremost I could run that radio station in my sleep. There was no challenge to what yeah. we were doing. Yeah. We had no competitors to speak of. It was like, it was a non-fulfilling position. And I am somebody who wants to constantly be not on my heels. Like I'm constantly defending myself from whatever yeah. competitors or, you know, new technology, like not like that, but I want to get up every day and go, Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't even know this company existed now how do you market that company that you just learned that they even exist and do a thing you didn't know existed an hour ago like yeah we worked with a company that does i like works with nonprofits on building insurance plans for churches right like i didn't even know those 
things exist. Mm. That stuff fires me up because then I can go down a rabbit hole and learn what the heck that is. Yeah. And then figure out how to make messaging around that to connect so with. So there's always like a new challenge. Every day. There's I mean, and, 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 you know, and like you said earlier, eventually that stuff will pitter out and something else will happen and I'll either evolve in my current position or evolve to a different thing altogether. But mm-hmm. for me, much like needing to exercise on a daily basis or meditate or both if, it's a, if I've got a lot of time, yeah. um, I need to get up every day and go, what don't I know? Let's go find somebody who knows that stuff and then push ourselves. Well, back to what you were talking about earlier to kind of put a bow on this. What do, if someone is in that spot, like right now, and they want to challenge themselves, what does somebody do uh, if they want something different? Uh, I, You know, they say take the leap. Do you jump off the cliff or do you do something else, and what does that look like? Well, and I'll ask you the same thing. Um, I, my advice would be you have to really mean it first. Right. That would be step one. How do one. you know if you mean it? Well, you you genuinely have to have a curiosity about something new. You can't yeah. just be if you're the type of person that's has a new job every six months. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. Like that's just you being on. That's a different thing. What I mean is genuinely getting up and going, OK, I let's take meditation. I've heard about this meditation thing. I don't know what it is and I don't know how yeah. to start. Oh, look. There's an app called Headspace that gives me 10 days free. Download it and then actually do that. Yeah. 10 days straight, 10 minutes at a time, and then see how you feel, right? And then on the other side, if you've got a thing that you're trying to start and you don't want to do the Seth Godin leap, like you just have to do that in little micro movements and do it when you've got free time. You have a ton. I promise you, you have a ton of free time. I promise you that. Yeah. And you need to audit your clock if you need to write down every 15 minute increments of what yeah. you do all day long, you'll yeah. find the time to do that. Yeah. But I think first and foremost, you have to actually want it because a lot of people and a lot of people I meet and a lot of people you meet and a lot of people, lots of people meet. That sounded really lame and kind of generalized, but like a lot of people that I meet will talk all a talk a lot about the thing they're going to do and then never fucking do it. Like they talk and talk and talk yeah. and talk and talk and talk mm. and talk and talk and talk till you're like, I, just stop, stop talking and go why do, do you something. Think that is because it's e- talk is easy. That's why. I think there's something more to it too. Is it? Are they getting something? Are they getting the satisfaction and the payoff, right, of actually doing the thing without doing the thing by talking about it? In some respects, yeah. I mean, they're getting, you know, the people like, will be like, oh, that's really cool. You're going to start that nonprofit. Yeah. Or it's really cool. You're going to run that yeah. marathon. Yeah, that's because really- we're so like slacktivism and all these things. We're so fired up about these things that don't really, um, they make us feel really good, you know, about. Yeah. And I, I, I would say the easiest way to solve that. And I was just, I forget which podcast. I think it was awesome. Do you listen to Awesome Office? Mm-mm. That's a fun podcast. You can check it. But like they were talking about this, and I think this is a great tip. It's like one of the ways to combat this is when you show up at a dinner party or a holiday party or Thanksgiving, right? Our natural inclination is to do what you just said. I'm going to talk about the thing I'm not really going to do yeah. just so I can be interesting. Yeah. Where you might be able to break that habit and create a new discipline is if you flip that and don't ever talk about yourself. Just ask questions. It's so hard. It's hard, but it's but, so hard. But I bet you have a much better time. It's a lot better. I mean, uh, I spent 
the first major part of this podcast talking about myself. And then I realized, oh, God, I'm talking about myself way too much. Who could possibly care about this? And so I sat back and started asking you more questions. And I much rather do that any day of the week. Well, but people like us would rather do that. right? Like, I don't want to talk. So I got a request this week to go do a press thing and i'm like why do they want me to do the press thing oh they're just, they just they got they think this thing is a really great story i'm like do it can someone else do it because really that's wanna, the crazy thing in our that. head though because uh i'm who cares whether people like this or not or think there's anything in it there might be one person that does sure. and that's who we do it for right yeah that's a, well that's exactly why you do but i think yeah. general generally People like us don't yeah. want to sit a whole for a whole long time and talk about how awesome ourselves are. Yeah, right? it it feels weird. It does, doesn't it? And and what I do think people need to hear the story. Yeah, and I, and I, I mean, if you got one takeaway, I would say, and this is the hardest one that we're kind of wrapping up with. If you get to the holidays and Christmas parties and all that stuff, and you can flip that, that's a skill set that you get. I promise you this. I will say this: if you can do this. Mm. And flip it so that you ask questions instead of talk about the thing that you're not actually going to do, which is probably what you're going to do at the holidays. If you can flip that, I promise you, you'll be able to parlay that into something amazing monetarily, spiritually, uh, a new, uh, you know, a promotion, a new job prospect. If you can become a person that asks questions instead of talk about yourself, I promise you that'll kick the door open to a whole bunch of things that you don't even know exist right now. You know, it's that uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that book, the the whole idea of, um, you know, being likable or whatever is to be, you know, uh, first or being interesting, right? Is right. To first be interested. Yeah. You know, and that, uh, you know, that the book is, that's a must read. That should be like a, like a yearly go back and read it for my yearly. It, that is a good one. And maybe I should add that to the yearly. My yearly is always Pressfield's the war of art is the, I read oh, yeah. that one every year. Yeah. Oh, well, there should be a stack that you go through every year. Yeah, but I was like, I want to read new stuff. I know I'm with you, but it's like, you know what, what I found. And let me ask you this. When, when you read that book, cause you read that one every year. Pressfield. Yeah. Does new stuff stand out to you? Yeah. Okay. So like you, you read the Bible. Yeah. So when you go through and read that, you read at different times, like new things come out at different times. Sure. So I just think we're always a different person, right? Yeah. Like you're a different Eric now than you were last year for yeah. sure. Yes. And, and, and I think you become a different person again by doing simple things like that, where yeah. reading yeah. 50 books a year or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Whatever that challenge, the CEO challenge, right? Is it 50 or 60, whatever. Um, I did that and it changed my life. Yeah. And I do it every year. I've done it for the last two years, like actually keeping track of it, but it does change your life. But I would say I usually only want to pick one or two. I'm going to reread because I really do want to go find some other stuff. And I might have ones that I refer back to that I've dog eared or taken notes in. Here's what I found about books though. Uh, There are so few that are like that, that literally, contain front to back just absolute gold yep and i would say that like if you're going through this experiment and you think oh the 60 books is a lot like understand that people who read a lot of books they don't necessarily finish all of them 
because they don't get, have to. They get the they either suck and you ditch them, the, or you the, get the gist. The king of YouTube, Ty Lopez, will tell you you don't have. You can read a book in a day or whatever, or two hours or whatever, just by sitting down and like just literally like doing a couple of things, like looking at the table of contents. Because what the what is the book? The book is a piece of marketing that the book company put that sure. the publisher puts out. It's just your idea or a collection of ideas about a thing that you're trying to to talk about. But specifically, mostly yeah, if, but, it's, if it's nonfiction. But specifically in nonfiction and and business, and this will be a weird way to kind of yeah. end this podcast, but I think a useful tip. Like every single one of them is formulaic in nature, right? Like here's my introduction of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Here's a tangible thing that you can do in order to do it. Case study, case study, case study, case study, <laughs> case study, conclusion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. Don't read all the case studies. Well, read the ones that are in- yeah. read the ones yeah. that are interesting, right? Yeah. Like this yeah. is the thing where I think people think reading sixty books is crazy. Like you don't need to read every page of this. You just need to get into it and then find yeah. the ones. Like for me, I consume Pressfield in an afternoon because I love that book. Right? Yeah. Like that book speaks to me because I feel you feel the tension and the, the friction thing, every single day. But the only thing better than that book is that book on uh, audio. That's the only thing better than that book. Have you ever? I have never done that. Oh, you've yeah. never heard the audio? No, of that I'll check book? that out. Yeah. <gasps> oh my god! No, and uh, and that one of the things that I was going to say is that uh, I love audiobooks. Audible. Yeah. I'm working out. Yep. I'm listening to stuff. I can listen to it over and over. There's some books that I'm listening to, like, oh, this is really good. I'm going to need to listen to this over and mm-hmm. over and over. And again. it's a, it, that's a great way to kind of kickstart that audit of time. Do you drive to work? Here's how you can do something useful by driving to work, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you walk the dog? Here's something else you can do while you're walking the dog. Yeah. All of that. you Anything. Yeah. And Anything. Audible is a great way or what any, I mean, Overdrive or whatever the um, the public library system. There's like eight of those apps. Sure. Uh, download those. And, or or and... go to YouTube because there's so many Audible, mm-hmm. like audio books on YouTube that are free. Yep. I mean, you don't have to pay anything for them. Um, I do have two free books when you use my link with Audible. Which is what, Justin? Uh, I believe it's just justinbarclay.com slash audible. <laughs> this portion of the podcast brought to you by Audible. Discover over 100,000 books available. And I think when you do that, they'll send me like a free toaster or something That's like true. That. An Audible toaster. Does it have yeah. the logo on it? That'd be amazing. Uh, I don't know. I have no that idea. That'd be amazing. Uh, all right. So it's, since we've gone there, like how else can people get a hold of you? Justinbarclay.com is the best way, man. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitters. I'm on it. I'm on the Instagrams. Which I'm is on your favorite, Snapchat. though? I really, the three that I'm on mostly would be Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. I think Instagram might be my favorite, although um, Facebook is still on the top, like, you know, top running. What about you? What do you like best? Twitter. Hands down. Really? Hands down. I just think there's too much... BS, too much shenanigans on the Twitter. To, to quote you earlier, and we'll end it here. Yeah. I, I I don't have that experience. You've never had. What do you love about the Twitter? I just love the connection there. Like when you, if you can find that that circle of influence of people that you want to talk to, like I find really amazing sure. stuff happens yeah. there. Yeah, that's that's like really I have more point. really amazing stories of meeting people via Twitter and things happening off of that than almost any other platform. I think the problem with me and Twitter is that I don't use it in that way and I need to 
if I want to have that experience, I need to use it in a different way. It is a great way to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, like my timeline is just full of stuff that I couldn't care less about. And you get rid of it. And of people I don't know. You just get rid of that. And stuff. so I don't even know where to go and what to do when I go onto the Twitters. So maybe I'll have to like, you'll have to give me a Twitter when we're done here, we're yes, going to tape does. another podcast and Eric's going to give a Twitter. You how to do Twitter, but it'll just be audio only. It'll be really interesting. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Dude, thank you. It's thank you, fun. man. I appreciate it. Thank you for the coffee. All right. As always, uh, you can find the rest of the podcast online at theincrediblehulk.net. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and we'll talk again soon.